This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. And right now, without further ado, 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 here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hey, buddy. Hey, your book is good. Thank you. Yes, I, I enjoy it. I appreciate that. I've had some. Uh, I actually have one review on Amazon, and it was a five star. Really? Yeah. So. And what did that cost you? Uh, <laughs> we won't go into that. <laughs> but uh, so anybody, if you read it on Amazon, please give me a, a review, and a written review is is good. Like if you'll do so many stars and then write a little review, like. Uh, Hopefully positive that you enjoyed the book. Yeah, but be honest. Be honest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's going well. Uh, Let's mention Coal Miner to Cowboy by Ken Turner. And why don't you give us locations where they can go get the book? You can get it here at Farmer's Corner, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, the Declo Country Store, A Child's World, the office of Dr. Travis Turner, uh, Mad River Laser in Rupert oh, and, and Hello good. Flowers in Rupert. Good. So, and folks that know me, you know, you can always just give me a call and uh, I can get one to you or make sure that you get one. Absolutely. And uh, excellent job. And I'm proud to know you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the Schnitzel Fleister. Oh, my goodness. It has been weeks since we've heard from him. And unfortunately, he tried to order it through Amazon. But right now they're not delivering to Germany. Oh, no. So I'm going to see what I can do about getting Can you have a special allocation of time and effort by FedEx to drop it on his house? Yeah, use one of those drones. Schnitzel Fleister. Good heavens. Good to hear from you. Yes, thank you. And yeah. you're going to get him a copy. I'm going to try to do that. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, well, also, uh, there's a guy named Merrill up in Washington. Has been a tremendous uh, help uh, month after month. Uh, I appreciate his help, and I am sending him a copy as well. Really? Yes, up in Washington. So he's helped you with stories and everything? Uh, financially. Oh, well, those are the people you want to take care of. <laughs> yes. So okay. thank you, Merrill. And the book is in the mail. <laughs> yeah. It will be. <laughs> and he said in return, so is your check. <laughs> yes, so is your check. Yes. All right, All right, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about something that's going to make your skin, your skin, your skin, and mine crawl. You're not going to talk about snakes. Rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes. See you next week, buddy. Yeah. Out the door you go. Well, I've told you before. I, if you show me a snake, I am headed the other direction faster than. I mean, I would tear a hole through this 
through your door. Well, you would have little bitty crutch tip marks all over your back. Because <laughs> you'd be on top of it. I'd be on top of it and leaving. Oh, Anyway, I thought this was pretty interesting, though. You know, for centuries, the Apache people uh, have treasured their mountains, the desert homelands. They fought long and hard to retain them. After all, the Creator had set aside this land for the people, and even the rattlesnake was considered a part of that bounty. Really? Their enemies sometimes refer to the Apaches themselves as rattlesnakes. Okay, and I'd I never heard that. I didn't either. I'd never heard that huh. before. But, you know, found on every continent but Antarctica are venomous snakes. They're, you know, often feared. They're hated. But they say if handled with respect and caution, I'm not going to handle them. They do not necessarily pose a threat, though they should never be treated lightly. Some indigenous cultures, including the Hopis of Arizona and the Mayans and the Aztecs of Mexico, you know, they revered the snake. Uh, the plumed serpent, you've seen pictures of that, of the god Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl. You, <laughs> say can that say, again. <laughs> you can say Feeble Fluster or whatever his name is, okay. but you can't say that one. So Quetzalcoatl <laughs> is among the better known Mesoamerican deities, uh-huh. while the Hopis consider snakes, quote, messengers to the gods. Well, they'll send you there. Yes. During their nine-day ritual, dances and prayers for rain in the Arizona desert. Uh, On the other hand, the Navajos related to the Apaches as uh, fellow Athabascans considered the snakes bad omens. I see. So some thought it was good, some not so good. Okay. Okay. All right. So the desert-bred and born Apaches of the 19th century had their own strong beliefs and taboos regarding the rattlesnake. And this is exactly how it's pronounced, Zeb. You ready? Uh-huh. El Serpente Indi de Cascabel. And I'm not going to repeat well, that maybe one. Maybe you were better off just to give your own variation uh, of that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's what they call it. And to some extent, such beliefs persist today. Uh, the respect for the for the snakes, even among people today. Yeah. The, so their natural fear of the venom stored within this fangs, of course, uh, was pretty much universal. While a rattlesnake bite is rarely fatal today, given prompt treatment, and we'll talk about that a little more. The venom oh, can still cause significant damage. It can destroy skin and blood cells and attacks the circulatory and the nervous system. And for those living in the 19th century, these bites and symptoms uh, usually brought on a lot of pain. I had a good friend that uh, he and his wife were trick riders in the PRCA, and they lived in Oklahoma. And this is years and years ago. And he was out in the arena uh, training his horses for the Roman-style riding and everything. And by one of the jumps, a rattlesnake had coiled up. And when he went by, the trainer went by the jump uh, to get the horses to go over, that snake bit him in the leg. And for over a year, they had to do surgeries and take part of the leg away and everything. Yeah, it can be terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, and up to death, you know. I mean, it can kill you. So uh, the story is that there was a young Apache uh, girl. She went running in the desert, and she always wore ankle amulets to protect her from rattlesnakes, like leather, uh, you know. Another member of the tribe uh, said a reason his people despised rattlesnakes was because they were known to infiltrate burial grounds and feed on the corpses. 
The dead. You sure are gruesome this morning. The dead represented uh, represent a respected and sacred part of Apache culture, and they resent any interference in the time of transition transition from Earth to the happy place, heaven. And more often than not, Apaches are unwilling to even discuss the subject of snakes with outsiders. And I'd never heard that that they would actually burrow into uh, the burial grounds. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the one thing that has surprised me though, when you think about the Apaches or any Indian in the southwest, the way they lived and ran through the desert and everything, why weren't they bitten more often? Exactly, yeah. But, you know, while Apache's widespread fear and dislike of rattlesnakes is understandable, there's more to the story. A few tribal warriors and medicine men reportedly possessed what they called, quote, rattlesnake power, hmm. enabling them to overcome their fear and temper the venom. Apache traditions include a strong belief in power, though few have been graced with it. Geronimo, the famous 19th century Apache, was not only a war leader, but also a medicine man with the reputed ability to pinpoint the enemy. A similar ability has been attributed to uh, Lozen, a female warrior and prophet. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. But, um... There was a an elderly uh, Cheyenne a guy by the name of they they called him Nana N A N A which stood for Broken Foot and he was Victoria's uh, Victoria's second in command okay. and was an excellent tracker mm-hmm. but among his powers was the ability to locate ammunition supplies another was power over rattlesnakes. And this earned him a lot of respect in among his band because the rattler provided constant menace to the people and to their horses. You know, you, you've heard of horses oh, being yeah. hit. Yeah. You know? So, um, Nana, this guy, broken, broken, whatever I said, broken, broken foot. foot. Yeah, I uh, remember. I was following. He patiently taught the younger men how to use the potent venom to poison arrow and spearheads, carefully crafted from obsidian and later from metal. Apaches also made use of rattlesnake venom when hunting. Mm. Now I'm going to tell you how they do that. Now, obtaining adequate supplies of venom was always an issue and required a special hunt. Apaches relied on the bravest among them to gather rattlesnakes as such men drew the rattlers from their sun-drenched lairs, their caves, or wherever. They placed the snakes in large buckskin sacks. Once the tribal leaders felt they had obtained enough snakes, the Apaches could return to their rancheros. So they had a big gathering. So Kind of like what they do today. Yeah, they have rattlesnake rounds. Yeah. 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 So meanwhile, young boys on the path to become warriors eagerly helped construct cages from the branches of uh, the different uh, trees and one thing or another, the cactus. And into these large cages, the rattlers were thrown, followed by the liver from a freshly killed deer or uh, a horse or maybe a bighorn sheep. So in a sense, it was a sacrificial offering to the mad reptiles, which were then repeatedly prodded and provoked into striking the liver again and again with their fangs. So have you got the picture? I do. So 
saturated. Well, with, I don't have the picture firsthand because I wouldn't be within five miles. <laughs> I of wouldn't that either. Place. So you got this liver in there. Yeah. Now it's saturated with venom, and it's baking beneath the heat of the desert sun. The liver would eventually turn a sickly grayish green. The rattlesnakes, having served their purpose, were not killed, but they were released back into the desert. So now you got this liver saturated with poison. What are you going to do with it? I'll tell you. Okay. Finally, <laughs> the mass of poisonous, vile-smelling meat was ready for the final step in the ceremony. Gathering around the liver, confident as long as someone with power over snakes stood by, warriors thrust the tips of their lances and arrows into the liver until they glistened, then put them out in the sun to dry before use. So that's how they poisoned their the the, the uh, tips of the arrows and the lances. Really. In 1895, a former U.S. Army assistant surgeon turned historian, a guy named Coos, uh, uh, he confirmed this practice, and he said, "quote It is within my certain knowledge that Indian arrows were in some cases poisoned." He wrote, "The common opinion was that the septic substance was derived from a deer's liver, into which a rattlesnake had been made to." inject its venom, and which was then left to putrefy in the sun. So this isn't just a rumor. This was verified by a historian uh, army surgeon. Let me stop you there. Where do you think they came up with the idea to do that? You know, I've often heard that they used uh, the venom on their arrowheads and their and their spirits. Yeah. But I've never thought, how did they get it? Yeah. You know, the, the, you or see who pictures, came up with the idea of putting it in a liver? Yeah, a piece of meat oh my where you could uh, get enough of it yeah. to poison. So, oh, my. Anyway, that, that's how they did it. But, you know, in isolated parts of the world, indigenous hunters continue to make use of uh, deadly natural toxin, toxins. Uh, venom toxins are the only molecule on Earth explicitly selected to uh, by evolution to take a life in less than one minute. Certain, wow. certain uh, venoms, yeah. you know, not, necess- not necessarily uh, the uh, rattlesnake. Wow. So, uh, Zeb, um, the rattlesnake is called, or as a scientist like to say, Crotalus horridus. <laughs> there he goes again. But bites are common in Western novels and movies. The treatment uh, uh, always involved pulling out a knife, you know, in the movies, cutting a cross over the yeah. bite, then sucking out the poison. Does that do any good? And spitting it. I'll get to that. Spitting it away. The knife blade would then be heated to red heat and then used to cauterize the wound. The bitten person would then develop a fever, probably rave deliriously throughout the night. Beside a stoked fire by morning, he would probably be shown to, be, to have recovered. Really? Really? Now, uh, the mo- most rattlesnake venom actually contains this hematoxin, and the western and eastern diamond-backed rattlesnakes, and the eastern uh, diamond-backed is the largest of its species in the world, and, and also the most venomous uh-huh. in North America. Okay. So... Uh, the, uh, so this toxin, what it does is it causes blood cells to burst, and it tends to cause blood clotting, and it also causes tissue damage. Uh, 
Now, shock can occur, and bites can prove fatal to humans, <laughs> although it is actually rare. Really? To, to kill a person. In the old movies, they used to say, well, you know, if you're bit, you're done. Right. Yeah. yeah. So currently, they say there's about seven to 8,000 people that receive rattlesnake bites every year. No kidding. But only about five prove fatal. No kidding. Out of seven or 8,000. Remember the movie Cowboy with uh, Glenn Ford and Jack Lemmon? I don't. Glenn Ford was a trail boss, and Jack Lemmon was a hotel clerk that wanted to be a cowboy. Oh. And he went on the trail drive, and he became tough and everything. The first or second night on the trail drive, all the cowboys are standing around, and a rattlesnake comes in by the fire, and they pick it up, and they're throwing it at each other and everything, just kind of a sport. And one time, it lands around the neck of this one guy and oh. bites him. And the next morning, he's, he's not saddling a horse. <laughs> Well, now, here's something interesting, too. How serious a bite depends on what part of the body is bitten. The amount of venom injected by the snake and the species involved, uh, that depends. You know, the fatality is more likely if the person is very young, very old, or not in good health. So those are the well, kind we're of, in trouble. We are in trouble. We're very old. Yeah. But uh, sometimes this neurotoxin can cause paralysis, and that's pretty dangerous. The Mojave rattlesnake, for example, ha- has this toxin in its venom. But, uh, y- you know, um, let me, I want to, I know we're about out of time, so I'm trying to get to the good stuff here. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, the. Uh, after you've been bitten, uh, sometimes the comrades of the bitten person would uh, put like a tourniquet yeah. uh, around uh, to keep it from flowing into the body. And that prevented the venom from mingling with the general circulation. And sometimes they douse him with whiskey. Just, you know, why not, you know. Uh, and then he would be taken to the hospital. But... Uh, this one guy got bit on the finger, on the little finger, on back little back finger. in the old days. Okay, back, he was a uh, in the cavalry, and the, the not very very many surgeons would have tried to uh, save the finger, but they would have cut the finger off uh, and been content with that they're saving the guy's life. But uh, considering it, uh, you know that maybe he could save the the whole the finger as well. This one doctor, he. Uh, uh, Loosened the the tourniquet thing. He cut into the finger, and then he put the hand in warm water for 24 hours. And then with this treatment, uh, he added a poultice on the third day and continued through the fourth day. And then he just used dressings applied until a few days later. This guy went back to to duty. Did you say he cut the finger? Yeah, he cut to probably allow the venom to be released. Okay, but the guy came out of it great, saved the finger, saved his life, you know. Hmm. But uh, now, unfortunately, some of the remedies in the Old West, the 1700s, the 1800s, uh, a lot of people took to carrying a small bottle of ammonia when they went into rattlesnake country, which they could apply to the bite, um, which I guess may have helped. But a a really painful but common remedy was to get a knife and cut out as much of the wound and the poison as possible. In other words, take a big chunk of your flesh. Of the flesh. Yeah. Wow. But the venom, once it's in your system, doesn't it want to run to the arterial part of your body, the heart? Yeah. I mean, it's going to spread quickly. So... uh, uh, in modern day, according to uh, Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Sukard, 
He says the best rattlesnake tools, according to him, are a set of car keys and a cell phone. But, you know, you think about it, Ken, honestly, in the old days, and we're sitting on it right here, the Oregon Trail. Right. All the people that came across the desert and the low valleys and everything, my goodness, it's amazing there weren't more people bit. Or maybe there were, and we don't know about it. Well, I think what happened... uh, is that the first wagon, the first few wagons or horses uh, made enough noise yeah. to where the rattlesnakes would go away. Go away. But according to the recent information, uh, it says cell phone and car keys. Yes. Get to a hospital. Yeah. He says, first, don't panic. Death by rattlesnake bite is rare. If your symptoms are mild, you can walk or ride your bike or motorcycle out. Really? By all means, do so. Get out as quick as you can. Yeah. For more severe bites, you could try creating a splint to immobilize the appendage, uh, but that's seldom necessary, he said. In all cases, it's a good idea to lightly wrap the wound with gauze. Lightly wrap, okay? Mm. Now, when cell service is available, call 911. Uh, you can request an ambulance uh, from the trailhead or wherever you are. Uh, sometimes, you know, in bad situations, they might send a helicopter out to get you. But the main thing is get to the nearest medical facility. There you go. There you go. So get to a hospital as Snake soon as you can. Snake bite information from the one, the only, Dr. Yeah. History. Yeah. You know, it's spooky. And they're all around us. Well, a few years ago, I took a, a, a scout group. Uh, I wanted to take them out uh, to do a stay in a cave. So I called oh. the guy out on the north side. I know where you went. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Poteet. And I said, Rick, where is a place you have never seen rattlesnakes? And he said, there's a place out there called uh, Lariat Cave. And you go down and you go like a lariat. You go around and come back out where you came in. And so I we camped there for the night. I, however... Slept in the back of my pickup. Uh-huh. I think I would have, <laughs> or on the hood. Yes, <laughs> on top. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame. You. Hey, listen. Uh, even though I don't like that story, it was a very well represented. Thank you. You did a good job. Well, I think it found out how they poisoned their arrows. Absolutely, and their spears. I had no idea. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.